and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management and marketing professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Pragmatic Marketing and your host. Today, we're joined by Andy Reid, Product Marketing Specialist and Customer Information Management Ideas Explorer, who currently works for Pitney Bowes. Hello, Andy, and thanks for joining us today. Rebecca, no problem at all. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. So, Andy, as you know, right before the holidays, I reached out to you about being a guest on the show because I'd run across your post on LinkedIn titled The Top 5 Skills of the Awesome Product Marketer, and I thought it was a great piece. We get asked all the time here at Pragmatic Marketing about how companies can find good product marketers, where they should look, what they should look for, etc. And it's really hard because it's not a certain collection of certifications or necessarily a specific degree. There's lots of intangibles that separate the good product marketers from the great. And I think you did a really great job highlighting five of them. So if it's all right with you, let's just dive into each one. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So the first one you mentioned is making the complex simple. Tell me more about that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, overall, I, I when I started putting these things uh, together, um, you know, like you say, it was it, it was obvious to me that it was hard to try and find good product marketers. And, and one of the things that became very apparent to me was those people that boil down complex ideas into things that you can take away easily are probably pretty good people to to start thinking about for, for product marketing roles. Um, I'll remember, if, if I remember back, that really occurred to me when I was actually um, hired for a product marketing role and I met um, uh, the, one of the senior leaders who just explained to me very quickly what the role was. And I thought, well, this is, this is all very straightforward. <laughs> this is all very straightforward now. And um, I completely understand what it was that he wanted to get uh, you know, for, from his new hire and from his team. But the way that that sort of plays out as far as the, um, you know, the day-to-day goes is I think people often look at marketers as, as the communicators in the business and they'll rely on that marketing team to, to help take what may be a technical idea into a sales organization, uh, into uh, a buyer's journey, uh, into, into buyer needs. And I think product marketers are those people that can sit there and listen for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, uh, whatever it needs to be, and then boil things down into two or three key things and make those things repeatable and maybe make those available for you know, presentations or, or, or new collateral. And it really just gets across the key points in a very, very quick way. I think even today when uh, in the world of big data, whereas marketers, we get lots of data about where people are coming and what they're looking at. It's that same skill set, taking all that data, all that complexity and finding what's important there. I think it translates to that as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, of course, the, the big challenge with big data is, is no longer knowing uh, what data to get to get. It's knowing where to start. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's a very similar situation that I find with product marketing, and particularly where you've got a large product portfolio. Now, which piece is it that we need to focus on to to really get leverage with the buyer? So if somebody is in or trying to get into the field of product marketing, how might they, do you think, work this muscle? What are what are some tricks that they could do? How can they kind of self-edit themselves and work on this? Oh, there's some, there's some, great, um, there's some great tricks uh, for doing that. So um, things I always ask in interviews are, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say to, to an interviewee, uh, tell me what it is that you want to do in four words. And then I'll wait to see what the response might be. Or uh, explain to me what your ambitions are. 
in no more than 140 characters, you know, if it's via email. And and just you know, enforcing that uh, those boundaries, um, you can quite quickly see if it's in someone's nature to be able to create that focus uh, without uh, without rambling on, I guess, <laughs> into uh, into areas that um, that are just not necessary to the conversation. That's that's a great way of testing for it, and I think it's then a great way to to kind of work the muscle too. If you try and and trick yourself into those things, if you say I'm going to go in and talk about this, and I'm going to make it boil it down to ten words, how can I take this long, wonderfully prosy email and and bring it down to the points where it might get read? So absolutely, yeah, excellent. All right, number two of the most awesome traits, right? Being creative with technical ability. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess this is one thing that um, initially in my career, I struggled to work out whether or not I was creative or commercial or, or creative or technical. And um, the reason I struggled is that it turns out that I, I kind of felt in the end I was both. And um, it, it, it was one of those uh, revelations for me that drew me into the product marketing role, actually, that uh, I think product marketers are quite happy to go and sit down with a pre-sales person. Uh, or an engineer and say, uh, in a technology scenario, show me what the product does. Show it to me. Show me how you build a data flow. Show me how you add a customer in uh, in this CRM system. Show me how you take a service call and, and write down a ticket. And then I will be able to go and explain that in a way that makes sense to the user. Um, but there's no guarantee that those users and those engineers would necessarily be able to have that conversation as easily. So if, uh, I, I think good product marketers can sit between the two. They can understand, you know, if you, if, you, if you understand the why something is needed, um, then you can appreciate how it's done. Uh, so it's, it's being able to sit between the two, understand what it is that technology is doing, and then how to articulate that to your, to your buyers um, or, or, in fact, the rest of the business who, who also may not be able to get in, get, get on with those people that have designed the solution. I think that's really true. It's not just the outside audience that you're translating for. It could be any number of the inside audience as well, particularly sales, but it could be support. It could be execs. It could be the whole picture that can take all the, the bits and bytes and, and turn it into a that's compelling it. piece. For sure. For sure. And, and I think the, you know, the key part for me is understanding. Um, it's one thing to be told, but if you if you really understand it uh, and and you get it, uh, there's um, there's a guy I work with who talks about moving a message from the head to the heart, and and he you know nothing nothing is truer in the way when I go to explain something if I really understand what it is in my heart, then actually that comes out in my vocabulary and that comes out in the way that things are presented, and I think the same is 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 true here that really getting to to understanding why something has been done. That will just then come out naturally. Even if the words aren't always the same, it will always come out in the right way. And I think that's really true. I think when you really understand it too, you're not tied down to specific words. I know when you know when you first start at a company and, and you know the product somewhat, you're still limited by the way other people are describing it because you don't have that inherent really understanding that allows you can then translate that into language for five different people in that's different right. ways because you, you understand it at a core level. It's a great point. Absolutely. And I think it's something I know we just did our survey and we had 3,500 respondents this year in our annual survey. And it was a uh, 62% of them rated themselves somewhat technical and 30% said they were very technical. So you can see that. Go. Yeah. Yeah. So it shows through. All right. Top skill number three, having natural empathy. 
Yes, and this follows on in, in many ways. So I guess, you know, the understanding bit tends to be uh, a little bit introspective. Um, the natural empathy bit puts you right in the heart of in the, you know, the land of the customer. And, uh, you know, I always think of this as the difference between if you walk into a if you walk into a retail outlet and you want to buy a new jacket, uh, if a salesperson takes the jacket off the rack and says, this is a good one, then you might look at it and say, OK, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But if you try that jacket on, you can feel if that's the right jacket for you. And I think the same is true then uh, in uh, you know, in product marketing, you, you need to feel the problem. You need to go sit with a customer. We need to have a conversation with a customer and say, talk to me about the pain this causes you every day. And it's only then uh, when, you're, when you put yourself in that position and you understand how it must be to go through that challenge every day uh, that you can then start to understand how we can go about solving that problem or, or more importantly, how you articulate how your solution solves that problem that they're facing. So, you know, empathy is something that, that I think is to, to a point you can work on. Uh, but if you've got that naturally and you can feel what it's like to, to put yourself in someone else's shoes, then um, that's, that's a really important skill to have. And if you were looking for a product marketer, how might you test whether or not, how might you see whether or not they have empathy? I think it comes through in the language, to be honest. Uh, I think, you know, when you, when you talk to people, um, the vocabulary they choose, you know, are they talking about things or are they talking about people? Do you see, do you see them talking very objectively uh, about, about things or, or do they bring in conversation about family and, um, and uh, uh, in animals and, uh, and soft things? I mean, Rebecca, you and I were talking uh, earlier today and we were, we were talking about our children. Um, and I think that, you know, that's that's something that um, uh, that kind of gives you a clue that someone is thinking and feeling about other things around them and not just looking at the world in a very kind of cold, objective way. What do you think, too, is a good way? So I, I, I think empathy is, is a, a strong trait of product marketers as well. Sometimes it's seen as a weakness in people. But I think part of that is the ability of people to take what they know from what their empathy allows them to understand and share that well with other people who may not have that, right? So mm -hmm. so how can product marketers take all the great things that they've been able to to kind of sense out of the audience and share that with someone, right. say, with more of a typical engineering mindset? So I think a really good way of doing that is persona um, profiles. So um, if you can, you know, I've, you know, and, and in many ways, this, this links to another of the, the traits, we'll come to that later, but being able to paint the picture is, is an important piece. And, and here we're talking about painting the picture of, uh, of the individual, of the user. So, so when you build those, per, those buyer personas, that's why I think it's important to say something like, uh, for example, I used, to, um, I used to work in the translation market. And I used to say to our engineers, look, think about Margaret. So Margaret, Margaret is a translator. Margaret translates from English into German. Margaret lives on a beach. She, uh, um, she, she looks out to the water while she's translating. She spends all day indoors. Uh, she's got a dog that sits down next to her. And I used to paint that picture of thinking about what Margaret was like. Because then once you can build that image, you could then start saying, now, guys, bear in mind, Margaret isn't very technical. Her love is translation. It is an art form. It's not a technical science. So think about what the implications of that are, of, of, uh, of those ideas are, on the way that you're designing the technology for her to use. So I think being able to buy, uh, being able to build that picture, being able to articulate the not only the challenges that they're facing, but how those, as I say, how those challenges feel to to Margaret and um, and the, and the buyer, that will help 
uh, engineers and the rest of the organization focus their messaging and focus the, the solutions that they're designing. All right, top skill number four, able to focus on the task from the way up high. So um, if there's one thing that uh, is so common that I hear is that product marketers have got six, seven product managers that they're working with. There's a ton of different requests. There's the sales organization dragging them from one direction. There's the product management product and engineering organization pushing them from another direction. And there is a lot of stuff going on. So uh, it, very importantly, I think it's important to get yourself out of that and being able to look at the whole problem from from right up you know, from a from a high location and understand all the moving pieces. Having done that, you then can identify what the key tasks are, what the key activities are, uh, those key tactical active activities that enable you to drill down and get something done that has the most impact. And um, I think the ability to switch into that mode very quickly uh, in, a, in a good product marketer can happen you know, six, seven, eight times a day. So being able to talk about strategy, being able to help the organization understand uh, the go-to-market for a particular product portfolio but you know what then you put the phone down and you go and write a blog about it and that is a very specific thing that needs to be done but you need to understand the bigger picture to be able to go and get that that smaller piece done much like the uh the the combination of being creative and technical this combination of the strategic and all the way to the execution is is again one of the reasons that this field is to me the perfect fit right i I wouldn't like either side. If it was just the creative without the strategic or vice versa, I would miss it. And being mm-hmm. able to do both is, is really fantastic. Um, so in our survey, again, we had the, uh, everyone said that they wish they were 50-50, strategic versus tactical, but they said that on average they were 72% of their time was on tactical items and only 28% of their time was being able to kind of focus on the high-level right. strategic stuff. So what are some tips that you could give people to kind of help restore that balance or ensure that there's more time for the strategic. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a whole podcast in itself. Yes, right? it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I can share with, share with you things that I do. So um, I, I guess over the course of, over the course of my career, I've, I've worked on different time management uh, skills and I've, I've taken some good advice from people around me. So one thing, one thing that I think is essential from a product marketer is to have a good plan. Um, and to spend the time at the end of the year or midway through the year in terms of developing that plan for the following year. Uh, and I can, I can share with you that I do that as a, as a slide deck. Um, and um, my go-to-market plans always cover uh, the strategies and the potential tactics around things like content and partner strategy and event strategy, uh, linking it back to the business objectives, uh, the persona profiles, uh, so I effectively end up with a master deck that I own uh, throughout the year, and I, I gradually update that and change it and tweak it throughout the year. And that's I always have that to hand uh, for having conversations around strategy. Um, so it's important to invest the time up front to have that because I think you can then spend less time throughout the year on that piece. Um, it's not necessarily going to be something, you know, you don't necessarily need to spend 50% of your time on strategy each week and 50% on tactical. The other thing I would say is uh, heat map your diary. So uh, if you if you can uh, make sure that you know when you're working on meetings, you can see that. Um, when you're working on uh, planning, you can see that in your diary. Change the colors in your diary 
And by the end of the week, you'll have a heat map and you can see whether or not you spent 40% or 50% or 60% on tactical activities uh, versus your planning. And that will give you the opportunity for the, the following weeks to book in planning time, actually book the time in in your diary to say that is thinking time or that is reading time or that is analyst time. Uh, and then you can start to work to address the balance. That's a great idea. Something very tactical you can do to help yourself visualize what you're doing and then to plan forward. So for sure. Good yeah. thinking. All right. Number five, being a great storyteller. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I love this idea. I love, I love the idea of, um, uh, of, of walking into uh, a canteen uh, in the office and, uh, and the product marketer is, is stood there thrilled, absolutely thrilled, having, having just come off of a roadmap call uh, and explaining to everyone that will listen uh, how fantastic it is that the business is moving in that direction. So um, I think, you know, storytelling is something that's become very fashionable in the last couple of years across uh, sales and marketing. I think uh, salespeople are good, so, good storytellers quite often. Uh, you know, they're natural storytellers. But, um, you know, marketers are those, the, the marketing storytellers, I think, are the ones that will, that will paint the picture with vision. Uh, so I can tell you that, you know, I work in the area of customer information management, and there is, there is nothing that excites me more about the amount of information that is now available to organizations about customers and all of the fantastic things that they can do about it. You know, I've, I've just I've just spent a little bit of money on on Amazon um, Echo Dot. Uh, I'm fully aware that Amazon will gather uh, or have the potential to gather huge amounts of information about the the things that I do and the things that I ask uh, Alexa, and and it will be building a better customer profile on me. And I'm all for that. Um, and that's uh, and, and I want that to happen in the world. And you know I'm thrilled that I get to work in a in, in a space that will have a massive impact in the way that organizations interact with their customers in the future. Uh, and, and I quite often go and tell people throughout my business uh, why the things that they're doing with their phone, you know, why location's important, uh, why the data that they give up on their Fitbit is important. And um, I think the, you know, the product marketers that, that get the story around what the business is doing are the ones then that that really get the rest of the business up and going. You know, they're the ones that get the rest of the business getting in their car in the morning and saying, today I'm going to go and do some great stuff. And yeah, it might be writing a line of code or it may be putting together a project plan. But ultimately, this is having a massive impact on the way our business helps you know, the rest of the world. So, so you need that vision to be built. And I think it's the product marketer really that owns that responsibility to say, I get this. And here's why it's exciting. I think from, from your description too, it's not just a great story, which everybody loves and which everybody remembers, but they're very inspirational stories, right? It's the motivation. It's the excitement, genuine passion behind it that is what gets people up and out of their seats and ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. If you've, uh, you know, and again, I've mentioned this before, if, if, you, if you get it, the enthusiasm will just come through. The passion comes through. And, uh, and, and that's what motivates people. So, yeah, if, if, the, if you can get that in a product marketer, then um, that, that is just worth a huge amount of, of, um, you know, of time and energy. That does a lot of things for the business. So in order to get one, is there a specific question you ask them? Do you ask them to tell you a story? How do you know that this person's got that level of passion and, and um, compelling stories? 
Yeah, so I think that will that will tend to come through in um, again in in the discussions. You know, I mean, um, one of the things I always like to do is if I'm if I'm working to uh, to find uh, a new member of the team, I'll, I'll work with people. Yeah, off-site. So if we, we'll have a we'll have a meeting. It won't necessarily be in the office. We might meet on um, you know, in, in an outside location or in a coffee shop. And I think people will become more relaxed, and you'll see that that come out. Um, you know, again, you know, I mentioned uh, earlier about the kids. It might be that they just tell you instinctively about a holiday that they've just come back from. Um, but um, I think that sort of thing just comes out when you when you have those discussions. You can tell if someone's a good storyteller because they're interesting. They're, they're easy to spend time with. Yes. And what about um, kind of improving that skill on your own? Just, how do you keep working on that particular skill? Yeah, that's a good one, actually. Um, and I, I think that one that one is something that you can work quite hard on um, from a presentation point of view. Uh, so, um, you know, there, there are there are some you, you can ask for feedback is one thing. You know, when you when you go about delivering a presentation, I think you can tell if it's gone down well and and you can go about asking for feedback. You can go. Uh, you, you can watch yourself back on video. You can listen to yourself back on audio, and you can check if you think that that was a good story. And um, you know, there's lots of there's there's lots of books written about how to write a good story. There's lots of tips on how to present well. But the fact that presentations are so important, common, frequent within business, I think you can often get a chance, pretty much every day, to to practice your storytelling. So, so being self-critical and, and really asking yourself, is this something that you're good at, uh, and, and continuing to try and improve that, I think you can uh, you, you can kind of work on it every day to to become a better storyteller. Well, I don't know about you, but I tell you, my daughter certainly helps me be, be a better storyteller <laughs> every day. Tell me yeah. a story. <laughs> I thought I was better at it than I, I turned out to be. I'm like, I don't have any more stories. <laughs> yeah, they're great. They're great. I love, love the kids. My son actually bought them uh, for, for Christmas. He was given uh, some story cards and it is literally 50 cards with just pictures on. And we uh, we lay three or four out at night and uh, and we make up stories to the pictures, which can get quite amusing. But it's uh, it's a good practical example. That's a great. Practicing that. So, yeah. That would be a great example to do with the team too. Fun. Absolutely. <laughs> Our session, we talked through all five, making the complex simple, being creative with technical ability, having natural empathy, the ability to focus on the task from the way up high, and being a great storyteller. So if you were to pick two things that you wanted people to do differently tomorrow, based on what we talked about today, what would it be? I think number one and number five, actually. Uh, I think if you can do those two, if you can work on those two, then that that is the right, that's the the best start so you know great a couple of it a couple of exercises as i said reduce down something uh into 140 characters or six words give yourself a boundary and test yourself to make a complex idea really simple um and then the second thing i would say uh, is is go and practice a story you know go and try and communicate that story go and tell somebody and then go and tell somebody else and then go and tell somebody else and you'll you'll soon see that the story gets better and better and better uh, the, the more times you tell it. So I would say those are the two things to, to go and do tomorrow. Is there anything else you would like to share today? Uh, I guess um, just in many ways, I'd like to um, sort of recognize the work that you guys do. Uh, I think the, um, the work that Pragmatic Marketing do for, for our industry is, is fantastic. Um, I went through my training with you and I know 
thousands of product marketers have um, throughout the world. So, um, no, just final comment is just to thank you guys for your work and to to keep up the uh, to keep that up and to keep promoting the the role uh, within the industries. We are. Uh, that's really very nice to hear, and we are very passionate about it. Right. We're passionate about the impacts product marketers can have and helping people understand what it is. So as you know, passion makes a huge difference. So thank you for joining me today, Andy. It was a pleasure to have you and I hope you'll join us again. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks very much. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to check back next week for our next edition of Pragmatic Live.